Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This episode's guest is Josiah Johnson. You probably know him as King Josiah 54 or maybe even as the king of NBA Twitter. And he's not just the king. I'd go as far as saying he's the hardest working man in the entire NBA Twitter space. You've seen him on TNT, ESPN, LeBron's timeline, Ava's timeline, and as the host of Out of Pocket. The man's a professional procurer of the bag. And similar to my actual experiences on the golf course, where I spend more time getting to know people than actually talking about the game, we talked a little golf, but quickly realized his journey in life was way more interesting. This is the Grassroots Podcast. I'm LeJethro Jenkins. This is my boy right here. Laz Versailles. Nobody calls him LeJethro, though. No, everybody calls me John. But I call you John Nichols. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what everybody <laughs> Just so that nobody really knows who John is until, like, you got to say LeJethro. You know what I mean? Anyway, we're here with one of my favorite people on the planet. You feel me? The homie. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 I, I know you since, like, really first coming to, 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 to LA. You were the first person to invite me out to rap. Actually, I don't know if you remember that off I of Fairfax, that. you feel me? I do remember uh, that. But Josiah, King Josiah, you know, the, the GOAT's favorite GOAT tweeter. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate you. It was hard for me to make that uh, transition from calling you John to LeJethro, and it still goes back and forth in my head just because I remember the first time I saw LeJethro, and there's no face behind it, right? I'm just like, yo, this dude must be. And I heard the pod with you and Dragonfly. I always tell you, y'all always talking about just whatever, hooping in your young days. It was like, damn, I can just relate to these dudes so much. I really want to get on the social side, too, and do what they're doing. So when you came out here and we met, it's so funny to see where we were then to where we are now, different places we've kind of worked across paths together and always kind of end up linking back up. So I appreciate y'all having me on here. 
Thrilled, what? man. For sure, for sure, man. Like, to see, like, you know, the way you, you know, like, you you said you wanted to do certain things, you've done it. You yeah. feel me? And that, that's, it's, been, it's blown my mind to hear you say these things, verbalize them, you know what I mean, and then manifest them. But anyways, let's, let's go. I want to, you know, talk to you a little bit about a few things. We'll get into all of that, you know what I mean, the journey and all that. But I always tell people, like, I'm the adult that I wanted to be as a kid. Uh, what was, you know, young Josiah like, you know what I mean, and how would he feel seeing who he grew up to be, you feel me? It's crazy. I, I was talking to my wife about this the other night, but when, when I look at myself now, and I think all of us that have kind of carved a lane in, in the social media and Twitter space, as a kid, we didn't know what Twitter was. We didn't for know. Sure. Like, social media for us was picking up the phone, dialing a number, calling your friend, or you see each other at school. Y'all might all watch The Simpsons that night before. I remember as a kid, if you missed The Simpsons, you came in, and you didn't know you were going to get clowned because everybody right. was dropping right. lines or in living color right. and different things. But now, the way that social just grown to be this beautiful thing, a beautiful space where you can carve a career out and make a, a ton of money. It's funny you see a lot of troll and hater and burner accounts and I was like oh you just do this that or whatever and it's like yeah you're missing one key thing I make a lot of money doing this that, or whatever <laughs> you forgot you, that I'm rich you forgot that I'm just saying, you for, so so I'm not I'm not I love when you talk your shit you know, I'm, just, I'm not here to oppress y'all or, or convince y'all of what I'm doing I'm here to convince the people who right, write checks right. like, I'm talking to corporations yeah, buddy you know this so check while signs. you're hating like the boss of your company is hitting me like oh I'm just I want to rock with you like can you oversee this person who doesn't even know that we're having this convo and like you right. help them out but so as a kid man I was just my dad Obviously, he was fortunate and blessed to play in the NBA. He had some bread, so he lived in Bel Air. And I always tell people, you know, as a, as a kid, we got to be able to see kind of the differences and where we live. Like, he had a nice house. It was, it, believe me, it was, it was in Bel Air. I kind of was watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air as a kid yeah. and seeing the show. It's kind of my life. My older brother, Chris, we joke about that. But then we go to, like, Kareem's house. You go to, like, Magic's house. You go to right. other people's house. Like, okay, I understand where I'm taking it. There's levels to this brand. Going to Debbie, Debbie, Allen, Debbie Allen and Norm Nix's crib and being like, okay, like, we have bread but they've got bread like wow capital like, b bread man, they're, they're breaded up they're but wealthy they're, they're you know they're out <laughs> they're here getting not it rich, so wealthy. always yeah. very humble but for me i was always just interested in writing and, and acting and entertainment and growing up in that world and, and going to elementary school with kids like jason schwartzman who went on to have a super successful acting career and, and going to like film classes with him in like third fourth grade and going to hang out at his house in the summertime his mom is uh talia shire who's adrian from rocky and she was also connie in the godfather, the godfather movie. yeah so but just going childhood. but as a kid not understanding that this was yeah. Like I'm just thinking like this is normal. Like Sylvester Stallone shows up at the crib just to come hang out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's Rocky, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so as I as I was a kid and kind of seeing these worlds and seeing these things, kind of figured out I want to do something in the entertainment space. And then obviously social came out. Obviously I do a bunch of stuff on the writing side too. But for me, social is just so fun because it's a community, it's a world. See people like yourself, myself that have kind of grown. And now we're all friends. We all, you know, I think our first time really pulling up all on each other was like 2019. Right, like, right. And the Warriors Finals, game. Oracle Big drunk, you feel back, me? You know, thanks to our friends at Twitter. But actually yeah, seeing, sure. like, I remember, like, Dragonfly walks into the room. Right. And I, I, I did not know what he looked like. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as he walked in, like, oh, Dragonfly. You're, you're, you're you already like, knew oh, the energy. energy. The energy. You came you came right. And yourself. <laughs> and, like, just but being around those crew of people. And now we've kind of become a voice of this NBA Twitter community, man. It's been a super amazing thing to see. Yeah, it's fascinating to me because I feel like so many of the references you make kind of pull right out of like my mind's memory. Yeah. And I love that. I love that about you. And John told me that, you know, you had played a little bit of golf as a child. Yeah. So maybe you can kind of frame what that introduction to the game was like for us. For sure. So my dad, you know, he was he was 
Avid, he, uh, he had a neck injury that kind of prematurely ended his career, but after he was done with hoops, was looking for ways to kind of stay active, stay fit. So he'd take us over to part threes across LA. My older brother, Chris, was going to the school Montclair Prep in Van Nuys. So we would drop him off for school in the morning. Then me and my dad would go hit the uh, part three over in Studio City. And I remember just as a kid, just going and playing with them, hanging out. And then, you know, when, when older brother was there too, we would just have games and contests with each other and just trying to learn the game, but not really getting any formal coaching and kind of just figuring it out on the fly. And then uh, as I got older, playing a, a little bit more bigger courses, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, was able to actually get some clubs of my own and get out there and hit some balls. But I was telling y'all today, like coming out here today was like the first time it ever really just clicked for me. And I'll hit like a top golf and I'll do these things and I'll get the occasional nice swing and I'll, you know, launch the ball out and feel good. But today, like consistently line up like four or five, six good shots in a row. For me, it was always like I would just start feeling myself as a kid and start whiffing and then like get humble really quick and then try to <laughs> yeah. get it back and then be like, screw this, I'm done. I'm just going to go hit up the snack cart. Like I don't even want to play no more. But <laughs> So it's, it's been a fascinating, unique thing and just, just understanding the, the, the black influence on the game and, and the culture and how much, you know, as a kid you kind of looked at maybe as a nerd. Like I played tennis, I played golf, I learned these different sports that weren't necessarily available to a lot of people. But, you know, you see the way now that golf is kind of bringing everybody together. And now that I'm an older man, I understand why everybody's at the course for four or five hours. Like, it's a great, great Absolutely. outlet. Great to go hit some balls, be with your friends, drink a little beer, do other things you might like to do in states where things like that are legal. And uh, just be able to turn up. Absolutely. No, and, and, and time with your dad, right? Yeah. Like, that's also such an incredible gift that this game gives. Yeah. Like, you get to spend some really interesting times and, you know, we talk about the game shows us who we are, right? And so when you when you get to parent through the canvas of golf or when you get to kind of expand the relationship yeah. with your parents as a teenager, that can be a hard time to talk to your folks. Yeah, for sure. And when you're at the golf course, it gets a lot easier. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're talking about his pops. You know, your pops is an NBA player. You know yeah. what I mean? He played like over a decade, 20 points a game. You know what I mean? Like was in white men can't jump. Yeah. Played at UCLA yeah. where you played basketball there too, which is crazy. I always, you know, I didn't know my parents were cool until probably like 25, you know, but I was already set in my ways and all that too, you know, so I was more comfortable knowing my parents were cool. Yeah. How did you How did you feel growing up, you know, knowing your pops was the man? It was no denying that, you know, how was that experience? It's, it's weird because this thing is, it, it gets to a point where it's just normal, right? You go somewhere, even as a young kid going to UCLA games or going back to Crenshaw High where you went to school or going to NBA games, you see just how revered and loved he is by people. You know, I've got numerous friends that are named after him. They right. him. Oh, My dad's crazy. Marcus Johnson spells his name M-A-R-Q-U-E-S. That's right. a very unusual spelling. And, you know, I have several friends, friends of his who named their kids after him, random friends, you know, who I've met in my, in my professional life right. named Marcus. You think about Marcus Tuiasasopo, who played quarterback at uh, UW and played in the NFL. Like his dad and my dad went to college together. Right, so he right. His name M A R Q. That's you know, crazy. so wow. it's just a phenomenal thing to see the impact that he had and, and how how much loved he was. But I always joked that, you know, when I was coming, he was kind of washed. So I would give him buckets. <laughs> he had bad knees, but his, his career ended because of a neck injury, right? And he, he came back and kind of figured out. You he wasn't cooking him, were you? But I'm like 13, 14, year old giving him buckets. Like this is this is the all pro. Like I'm going to the L. Like you, you, this is the dude used to go up against Dr. J and Bernard King and these guys because I'm giving you buckets. Like, so it, it was it was tough to really. And he was old, and obviously I get, I joke now, but he, you know, it was tough to really have that respect. So I, I'd start dipping into the VHS and the Betamax and going and watching games, and he's blocking Kareem shit, and yeah, yeah, you know, giving Dr. J buckets, dropping thirty on Larry Bird yeah. in the cell. He's like, okay, damn, this dude, because because I know where these dudes were at, like to see this dude and how they treat him, and then knowing like you know Michael Jordan was a big fan of his. So. We'd always seen the Sports Illustrated with the poster in the room, and that's kind of, you know, we would always show our friends to brag. Right. Like, yeah, you know, he's MJ's favorite player. But then watching The Last Dance and actually seeing the video that went with it, 
where he name drops my pops and just says how you know influential he was and how he's gonna get him to sign with Adidas back in the day. Yeah, it's just like it's it's cool stuff for us to now understand just the, the impact that he had. Was it it wasn't overwhelming? You didn't feel like you were in his shadow or anything like that? Yeah, it was hard. Up? Yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, I think every successive generation. Like my older brother Chris played at UCLA, won a national championship. Yeah. I think ended his career as like a top 15, top 20 scorer there. Yeah. So I go in with a lot of pressure and a lot of fanfare. And it was tough dealing with that type of stuff and not kind of living up to those expectations and not getting there. But I think at the end of the day, you, you kind of all learn that. From my younger brothers who, who all played, you know, basketball at a high level, just tough not being able. You realize how difficult it is. You look at somebody like LeBron and Bronny, and mm-hmm. that's not a normal thing. Not at right? all. Because you look at like MJ's kids, they were getting cooked like we were getting cooked. Right, like, they, look, you know? they look real Reggie out there. <laughs> you, you know, know what I'm saying? saying? They was. <laughs> you were in the patent leathers getting cooked. Right, right. It's, it's tough, but. <laughs> right. But, you know, getting smoked. They rolling you up and blowing you down. You feel yeah, me? There's like, always that meme of uh, the game. They played Eric Gordon, and you see the score, and, you know, Eric Gordon, they beat him by like 40 or whatever it is. Right, right. They're watching, and, you know, but it, it's tough because not feeling like, you know, and I think our, my dad was always big on because he was being in entertainment too he was a theater arts major at ucla but it yeah. was like don't let basketball define you do other things and as you know when you come to hollywood it's like basketball players are you know there's a ton of love but there's a lot of people that go to that laker game that are stunting on the right line. you feel me that i mean like, yeah 40 mil is not nothing to me right too. right like, whatever like yeah you're great at playing ball and everything but that's not that's, that's you know I'm, I'm on that level too so right it's an interesting thing so he kind of just guided us and pushed us towards things that would be in that space yeah. entertainment hoops whatever it may be most of the people i know like whose family have bread are not funny my g yeah. i'm gonna keep it a stack bro yeah. they might be cool <laughs> even fun you know to hang around but they ain't funny you know where did your sense of humor come from you know what i mean so it's funny so we lived in ballet for for early part of my life then around like 1990 ish 91 ish my brother uh transferred to crenshaw high so we ended up moving back to my dad's original house and i live in there which is in the view park neighborhood okay. so but View Park is, uh, you know, about a mile, two miles away from Crenshaw High School. You see shows like Insecure, a lot of stuff takes yeah, away yeah. around in and around that area. So just, I, I mean, I had a neighborhood crew of just friends all throughout the community that were all just different levels of comedy. And as you know, you see movies like The Wood and things like that. When you come into those spaces, you got to be ready to clown or be clowned. So I was just, Facts. I used to get clowned a lot as a yeah. kid, right? I, like, Probably I, stood I out being yeah. tall, you know I had man I mean? boobs. I was, <laughs> I, but I, had a, I was like 5'7 as a freshman in high school. I didn't really hit a growth spurt till like my 10th grade year. Wow, yeah. So it's like, damn, you're dead in the league and you like, Five five. I'm trying. To, I remember being at Crenshaw as a five seven freshman, uh, trying out for varsity, and learned within like the first day and a half like that was not realistic. Just getting dusted and but you know. But fast forward to like 11, 12 grade. Now I'm six seven and like you know doing my thing. Right, 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 it's, right. It's whole, you, you, you taking on all smoke too at yeah, that point. Now, but it's right. tough because I always looked at myself as still like that five seven kid, even as I got taller. Yeah. That's how I used to look up at all the kids, and now I'm looking down on them, and it's like yo, it still has that mental block, but yeah. Nah, so it, it, I mean, it is what it is, especially just growing up in L.A. and being around all these amazing people, so. Now, it's funny, you know, because Marco Escalante, who's part of our team at the yeah. Fire Pit Collective, he, you and him go back to you know, over a decade, right? Yeah. You guys have worked together professionally. And when Marco talks about you, like the word that comes up again and again is Josiah's a hustler, man. Yeah. This guy's got work ethic. Where does that come from for you? I think just family. Obviously, I never – it's funny. My dad played in the league, but I never really wanted much. I mean, it reminds me, in high school, my senior year, I had these pair of Jordans, man. I, I wore these Jordans down to the nubs. Like, I was slipping and sliding on the court. But just I would never ask for shit. So, my dad shows up kind of true to his fashion. He always kind of low-key shows up for a game with a new pair of Kevin Garnett's. You know, like 
these were like when the Garnets were the shit. This is yeah. like 99, 2000. Yeah, I still remember them. Those the air bubble went crazy. It kind of his his like calm to me like yo, you want these? And I'm like, hell yeah, you mean? Of course I want. Right. Yeah. But so, but I always just kind of appreciate everything I had. Didn't really ask for much. That's one thing you'll even tell me to this day. Like you never really asked for much. Like I never the Jordans and all shit like that. Like if we got them, great. But I was never like I had just you know spending a bunch of money. I was happy shopping at Kohl's or shopping wherever, and you know getting fits off like that. So always just appreciating and thinking even about Marco, who, you know, is a guy I go back with, is that grind. And you learn to respect people through that grind. Like me and Marco would spend eight, nine, ten hours in edit bays together, cranking out shows on deadlines and, you know, pressure-filled moments, but always just cracking jokes. And, like, at the end of the day, you know, somebody in the TV industry told me I was sweating and stressing in, in the edit bay one day. He's like, look, it's just TV. It's like, it's, if, yeah. it, if it airs, it airs. It's not not war it's not what you know yeah yeah and yeah from that point i was like yeah you know what i don't need to have these nightmares anymore <laughs> wake up yeah. at 3 a.m in cold sweats like, right oh, right, God, right i gotta get this thing and <laughs> make sure it fills everybody's needs so as i've gotten older man i just learned to appreciate things but always you can't cheat the game and just just work as hard as you can hustle as hard as you can but be likable be coachable be respectful when i'm in the role where i need to be the manager i need to be tough and hard ass i can do that but i'm also like somebody needs to lead me and i need to take directions or whatever can do that too and just understand the framework of a team. I think playing basketball growing up in LA, that kind of situation. Sometimes you're the best player on the team, sometimes you may not be. So understanding your role and understanding to do your job to get whatever needs to get accomplished. Yeah, and it's just show business. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and as I've gotten older, that like I, I joke with John, like the, the less of a fuck I give in show business, the better things happen for me. Like the less I stress or whatever, just like, look, I know I'm talented. I know the numbers support that. So when I deal with people now, it used to be in nerves and like, oh, I got to convince them. Now it's just like, you know the game. Like, ask LeBron, ask Ava, ask, ask the people that I've intersected with, and they'll they'll tell you. I don't need to tell you that shit anymore. I mean, yeah. having Ava and LeBron, that's some crazy you know, cosigns, my boy. Yeah, you, you know, Neil so. Brennan and some real ones. Yeah, for real. Me? Working with the legend Neil Brennan. It's funny. I only think Neil remembers me. He worked on We did an animated series, so we didn't cross paths a lot together. He was uh, a voice on it. So every time I see Neil, it's kind of like that scene in Half Baked. I got to, like, pull my ass down and be like, oh, hey, black ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are you moving us earlier? Like, you know what I mean? So I, so I always give love to him. Like, Neil, it's your side from Legend. Oh, okay. Then, oh, then, oh, <laughs> Legend side, right. right. And I was like, you're also, Neil, you're also out here balling. I know you do 100 things. So just to be in your presence, like, I'm, I'm always super appreciative yeah. of Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, for our audience, you know, like, we know you as kind of the king of, of NBA Twitter. But, like, speaking of Neil and speaking of Avery Duvernay, so if people Google you and they get an idea, idea of what you did with the legends of Chamberlain Heights what we're interested and want to hear about is like that journey up to that point where you're at Comedy Central you know working on that project with Neil with Michael Starbury who you go on to work with later yeah uh, with Ava as well how do you get to that point a uh, lot, a lot of, lot of rejection, a uh, lot of no's, a lot of long nights, a lot of grinding. Even uh, Legend of Chamberlain Heights. So at, at UCLA, I kind of realized, like I played with like 13, 14 guys that went pro. Uh, Matt Barnes, Dan Gazzarich, Jason Capono, Earl Watson, all these names I can rattle off. Trevor Ariza. Realized they were, much, they were much better basketball players than me. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized. How long did it take for um, you to realize uh, that? First couple weeks of practice, and there were points where like I would grind, I went hard. I think around, right around my second or third year it was like. This is probably not going to be – I could probably go play overseas and play pro somewhere and make a little bit of bread. Yeah. But it's not going to be a long-term sustainable uh, yeah. career path for me. Like, yeah. I got to figure some other shit out. Yeah. So, as I'm, I'm there doing that, 
just always interested in uh, entertainment writing, ended up partnering up with a couple of former teammates to launch a website called Jersey Chaser, which was, you know, it's like 07, 08, but it's like the predecessor to a lot of the sites that you see now in terms of just comedy, humor. And we would just do shit back then because we were dumb and we wanted to have a good time and make each other laugh. And it was still kind of that, that locker room culture. So if we made a video, we'd say some crazy shit, throw it in the video, see what happens. Like, and stuff ended up hitting and people started resonating with it. And then I ended up connecting with a couple guys working in animation as a result of the stuff we were doing there. And I did a bunch of LeBron-themed videos that, that weren't even fashionable back then. People weren't fucking with LeBron like that back yeah, then, if yeah. you guys can yeah. remember. Yeah. But we were, like, super diehard LeBron fans, and the stuff would go viral. And uh, these guys connected with us, like, yo, we're trying to do this show for LeBron, like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. And we're kind of just like, oh, you know, that's not really our, our wheelhouse in terms of with LeBron. We know he's sensitive. I love LeBron. He's my GOAT. But I know he's sensitive about... The type of you know, content is yeah, made around him, you know what I mean? portrayed and things like For that. Sure. So they're like, ah, fuck that. And then ended up, they're like, you got ideas. So they ended up pitching them Legends, which became Legends of Chamberlain Heights, which was literally just our experience riding the bench in UCLA and what life was like there and the things we would deal with and the conversations we would have. And, you know, for people watching at home, they're like, oh, man, this is a great game. I get to watch UCLA play in Arizona or whatever. But when you're sitting on the bench, like, yeah, you're courtside, but you're also depressed as shit because you got the camera on you the whole game. Everybody knows you're not playing. Like, friends and family there watching, like, you know, got dad there calling games sometimes. It's like, I'm not even going to get in the game today. Like, you know, he's trying to be proud proud for me and shit. And it's like, I'm not even going to play one minute in this motherfucker. Or, you know, you waiting like, damn, we're down 20. I got to go in for, like, the last 25 seconds, get that courtesy round of applause you don't even want to go in for that shit really right? fuck my stats up that's all i'm thinking like, i don't even have enough time to really get some stats so right, right, make right. Shit look janky like i don't even want to do this like, <laughs> right. this 30 seconds is not enough to get a bucket <laughs> it's not enough time it's to gonna get... kill the average that's right. the whole flip side. It's right. like give me that I, dmp dog you when know clay, I mean? clay thompson came back and draymond green came in for the starting lineups for the jump ball i'm just like that that you learn how much these dudes really love each other because the sacrifice one game worth of stats like you know for me it was like shit that would be heartbreaking you you have been adamant when it comes to like using your platform to highlight other creators, like yeah. including me. You got on TNT and talked about the top ten creators in NBA space. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not normal in this industry yeah, for sure. where people are like competing all the time and you know sometimes tearing each other down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why has that been so important to you? Man, it's funny because I, I see it from a lot of kids, and I always crack up because these kids will take shots at me and they'll talk crazy and reckless. It's like, motherfucker, I'm gonna be different. You getting a job at some point, right? Like, right. Your name's gonna come up in discussions, and it's like, <laughs> damn, I'm gonna hire the kid that just said I was this, that, or whatever. Like, that's not realistic. But for me, I don't hold grudges. I'm not bitter. I just feel like there's so many people. Like when you first came out here, I don't think you realize how talented you were. I'm just kind of like looking at you, like, nah, you're the good dog. Like you, you Dragonfly, uh, Marrow, just these whole yeah, crew yeah. of human beings. Where in years past, we would have never got the platform, the opportunity to go do some shit. But, you know, when you get on a Yahoo and they start letting you cook over there, you start yeah. doing amazing shit. It's like, I, I, I really enjoy that type of stuff because I've been in so many spaces where they would deny people like ourselves the opportunity. Shit, even when I was coming up at NFL Network, I was, I was working in edit bays and behind the scenes. I can only imagine what, what they would have said to me if I'm like, yeah, I want to be on air and I want right, to do some right, right, whatever. Right. I want to do some cool shit for social. They would have laughed in my face. But now those same people hit me up like, oh, you know, it's like, Warren, welcome to our right. store. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, you know, like uh, the, that vapor tracker back in the day. Now, oh, man, you know, why always this, that, and whatever. So I, I see the next generation people, people in our range and younger people, and it's like, let me let me help out. Let me be a resource. I know how tough it could be on this end. And to your point, I don't. I don't ever try to battle people or whatever. I'm, shit, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm almost 40 years old. I'm past that stage. Yeah, I'm yeah. just comfortable. Like, yo, let me eat. I need to feed my family. Let right. me go ahead and get my bags. There's tons of bags here for everybody. I don't right. want every single bag. I'm, shit, I get burnt out quick. Right. I just want the bags I'm focused on. 
but also letting people know. And that's the one thing too, when, when people are, are dealing with companies or whatever, just always telling them how to approach situations. All right, negotiate it like this. Or like if people hit me like, yo, how much you think I should ask for? This, that, whatever. I'm like, all right, let me look at you, do an audit of everything you got cracking. Okay, Ben. You help me with that. Yeah. You know what but, I mean? But know your value because a lot of times they'll try to put that value on you and you can prove that you have a lot higher value. And I You're think right. a lot of people just don't realize or have the courage to do that and they end up costing themselves because they, they let somebody else determine their worth. Right, Once right. I stopped doing that and started realizing like, no, the once I stopped doing that and realized like, yo, the price is the price, like this is what it's gonna be and, and having to be able to have the power to tell people no, right. shit started opening up and being a lot better for me. Always thought it was so weird that people expected us to let go of our childhood when we become adults. Like who we are as a kid isn't the foundation of who we become. Josiah had a very different upbringing than most kids. We all knew Rocky, but Josiah knew Sylvester Stallone. There's a certain privilege that comes with growing up the way he did, and he doesn't deny it. But what's interesting is how he approached it, playing in Jordan until they were worn down to the nubs, as he said. Not expecting shit, never asking for anything. I imagine that outlook is what helped him when it came to those 12-hour days in the edit bay at the NFL Network and working through all the no's and doubt and rejection before creating Legends of Chamberlain Heights, getting co-signs from Ava, or being crowned King of NBA Twitter by King James himself. Even if we all can't relate to growing up in Bel Air, we can relate to the struggle. We can relate to the grind. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you understand the game, but like, I know like NBA Twitter in like particular can be a toxic place. You talked yeah. about the trolls, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you manage that? Everybody wants to be on top until they're on top. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got people stealing your shit. You know what I mean? Like I said, trolls don't give a fuck. You know yeah. what I mean? They want to, they don't realize that you got a family and all that. They trying to get you out of here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like they, they want your head. How do you handle that shit? I mean, I think as I've gotten older, man, I used to, and it's funny, I used to subscribe to a lot of the same things that they used to do coming up where, you know, saying crazy shit, being rude, and it's fine until you start seeing these people. Yeah, right, right. right. That's a fact. About this person or that person or whoever until you have to actually go now see this person somewhere when you're working and doing whatever. And I realize a lot of these people, a lot of people that are trolls and haters and everything, they're just projecting their own shortcomings, their own inequities their own you know you know jealousies of everything that, that people who are doing it have going on yeah. and as you start to see that following rise it's funny when i was like ten thousand wasn't a big deal then you get to like 50 to 100 then they kind of the start haters started out the woodwork then you get to where i'm at now and it's just like people you know, that were showing love ain't there yeah, no you know, you know what i mean and i i kind of see all that shit it's funny i'll see every tweet and i see the people that'll try to flip or when you know flip when they need something or they see something else happen and uh, for me, it's just, man, staying positive and, and not, you know, I try to even with the way I approach Twitter now, how I, how I move on the platform, is to be respectful as possible, always show love, don't really try to get into, like, the clowning players or, or attacking guys individually. Right. You know, if it's a funny, lighthearted moment, things that basically when guys are in the locker room with each other, they can share with each other and laugh so, about. If there is something funny, you know, like that Devin Booker Raptor situation. From, right, right. From, you know, yeah. when, when that went down. It's like, all right, here's a funny joke. I know even D-Book saw that in the locker room. He'll crack up if they're on the plane or whatever. Right. And just having that respect looking at guys like LeBron and KD and Steph and what they go through and, and knowing these guys are really just good dudes and good people that, that don't deserve to be talked about this way. And then also just the really, you know, mental health situation, hearing guys like Kevin Love and Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles 
and really seeing that at the, the rose highest level. In, you know what I mean? Whereas athletes, you're just expected to just go perform and go be, you know, a robot. And I use you on the video game, you never get hurt. Like, how come you getting hurt in real life type of shit? Where, you know, I just Like don't, they're not human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? These dudes are human. Fantasy money. Right, right. Bro, fuck you. Right, you, right, 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 you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, you cost me this, you cost me. I see a lot of that going on with Westbrook now. And it's like, yo, this dude is a man, dog. And you're saying shit that you would never say. You're letting a basketball game. Make you say some shit where you would get chin checked in real life. That's hard to watch, Absolutely. and with Westbrook in particular, there's no way in hell you saying half the shit you would say to that man. Come not on, because you know what time it is. Yeah. You I feel know, me? I know, Russ. Russ built like a pit bull dog. He's not right, playing right. that shit. Like, <laughs> but you just so for me, it's like let me just try and bring some good, and at least bring some balance to what's going on in the Twitter space, and at least show people that. You know, you don't have to operate that way. And also, just seeing our community, we all used to be Abbeys and nobody knew what anybody looked like. Right. A lot of us are getting bags now. Our faces are being seen. We're kind of pulling the curtain back up. And, you know, we got to kind of be the, the change that we want to see, lay the foundation for other people who are coming in to understand. Like, I don't got to come in saying all this crazy, reckless, wild shit. Right. You know, and conversely, if I'm a Lakers fan and you're a Warriors fan or whatever, and we don't got to fucking be at each other's throats to the point where we got to fight each other. Right, right, other right. Over bas- I mean, I'm going to fight you over basketball? But that, that's, that's what's wild to me like you know what i'm saying like i said you you had a family and people will be mad at you over because you're talking about warriors like want yeah. you to lose your gig yeah over the fact that you just you know cracked yeah. the joke it's, about their team it's, it's a weird space bro and it's like I've fandom been there is so a, odd i've been there as a fan where those type of things have happened like with lebron back in the day we were going up against kobe fans mj fans and you were never trying to attack the player you're just really trying to get in their fans feelings right and, right oh, I, know I, hurt, I know i can hurt you i can just say yeah for fun you. right but now it's like damn these motherfuckers really going at it and these young kids now they don't really have a code they just once you were able to create burners and they kind of saw KD do it, it's like KD created burners because he's rich and successful. Right, right. He's not trying to blow multi-million dollar sponsorship. You deal. feel me? He just wants to feel normal in this world. You're creating burners because you're a loser. Like, you have a real job <laughs> where you can't say what you want to say. And it'll be a dickhead online. Because a lot of people, yeah. honestly, I'm sure you see it too. It's like, oh, I see the way you're tweeting. Like, I know you. Like, I, I work with you. Or, oh, you know, okay. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I, know, I know where this pain is coming from. Right. And how angry. This, like, this tweet sounds really angry. Right, like, right, man, right, like, right. Like, you're, they're, they're at work telling you to tweet like me, and you just don't know how to respond to that <laughs> shit. And it's like, what do you want me to do? Like, right. Like, I didn't tell your boss to do that. Like, so I just kind of keep keep pushing through, man, stay positive. But the one thing I do stress to people, I try to get into the social side. Mental health is going to be really important because as you start to rise that ladder, man, the, the crazy shit that people say, it only gets crazier. But I kind of just laugh at it now, and it's like, you guys see my shit. I don't see yours. So mm-hmm. it might bother me for 10 seconds, but after after I kind of, you know, mm-hmm. go get another bag or talk to another CEO or, right. you know, get Thanks another for the job off or, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, I, y'all didn't realize. That's the funniest part. Like, you dumbasses are running my numbers up. So right. now when I present my, my offerings to these people, right. they want polarizing. Right, right. They want people who are fucking loved and hated. Right, and right. That's the shit that sells the most. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, if we look historically in life, so it's like, you guys are really just doing exactly what I want. So I appreciate it. Like, be idiots if you want to. No, it's I'm getting paid. <laughs> look, if it's not polarizing, it's probably not good. Yeah. Either. Like, that's been true for a long time. For sure. You know, if you make something that everybody loves, a lot of people might be lying to you. Yeah. But you probably didn't make something that that's, is really that great anyway. Exactly. You know? Well, back to kind of the positive tip and, and your path to Colin in black and white. That relationship with Ava DuVernay and Michael Starbury really fascinates me because it's been largely unorthodox and very successful. Yeah. It's one of the most watched shows in the history of Netflix. Wonderful, wonderful numbers. Share with us how you and, we'll call him a Milwaukee Bucks super fan, Michael Starbury, 
connected and ultimately ended up creating one of the best shows that Netflix has had in a long time. So I, I had nothing to do with it. I just want to always, out of respect for Ava, Colin, and Starberry, <laughs> Starberry brought me on. But me and Starberry actually uh, teamed up. Met Starberry in 2009, working on Legend of Chamberlain Heights. The crew we were working on, we were like, yeah, we need to bring a really strong writer in. Starberry was just kind of blowing up in the game at that point. He had sold a pilot uh, to Comedy Central called Blackjack, which was supposed to be like Blackjack Bauer. I think Ving Rhames was supposed to be the lead. They shot a pilot for it. Uh, one of the greatest scripts I think I've ever read. So I'm like, oh shit. And then end up being Starberry. Starberry's like, yeah, man, I grew up in Milwaukee. I was a big fan of your pops. Like, I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to be boys from this point for forward. Sure. So was able to work on Legend of Chamberlain Heights with, with, with Michael, where he was uh, the voice of Malik. And uh, I was telling him about his character. Nobody else could write that character but him. It got to the point when we tried to write it, it was embarrassing. So I just literally used to put placeholders in my script. I'm like, yo just ran on whatever you, you feel like ranting on from this character's perspective because I'm not going to insult you by trying to, you know, write this character. Like, it's not, it was just at a higher level of existence in the way he moved and operated. But did that show with him, and, and it's, it's a funny story, man. So, show got canceled. We kind of went our, went our separate ways. He went on to do When They See Us with Ava. Obviously got the Emmy yeah. nomination mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the best television I think I've ever seen. So, whole time he's talking to me, he's like, yeah, man, I'm working on this thing with Colin. Like, if it ends up going, I'm gonna bring you on. I'm like, Starberry, I love you, you're my, you're my brother, I appreciate you. If it happens, great. I just know Hollywood moves. People take, say stuff like that to you all the time. It doesn't really come to life. Like, so, no hard feelings, <laughs> I completely understand. I appreciate you just even considering me. So, fast forward, uh, 2019, I'm, I'm producing a show with uh, Christine Leahy for Fox Sports 1. Uh, let's say it's like a Tuesday, I'm driving home from work, I'm kind of worn out from the day call from Starberry, like, yo, Colin show's going, start the room Monday, want to get you in there. I'm just like, I'm like, what? Like, wow. I'm like, but I'm like, right, hold on, let me call my wife real quick. And, wow. So, so wow. He's, he's like, he's like, what? Like, I get his tell in his voice, whole demeanor turns, turn, just like, what? Like, I've literally just got you, you know, this opportunity and you got to check with your wife. I'm just like, look, I'm not just going to accept it without talking to her. So call my wife. She's just like, yo, why are you calling me? You better call him back, back right now. Like She felt like Starberry. Yeah. You know, so I call him back. He's basically like, yeah, man, just stay on that show. It's not a big deal. You know, whatever. I'm just, he's kind of downplaying. I'm like, Starberry, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Uh, I'll never do that again. Uh, you know, just appreciate you. So he, he was able to convince Ava to get me on. Eventually Ava kind of saw me right and saw how I was in the room. And that actually brought me on to another show that she does for own network called Cherish the Day. So I was able to be on season two of that. But just being around, you know, I tell people, uh, Ava, just one of the most amazing human beings you could imagine, always just using her platform to leverage, you know, marginalized people, great filmmakers, artists, through, through Array Filmworks and the other stuff she does. She's got the show obviously on CW9 Naomi and a bunch of other things. You know, she's, it's funny, you see Ava, Ava's working on like six, seven shows, and it's like, damn, this is what I want to be like when I, when I get to that level. But then Goals. I'm seeing Ava working on six, seven shows, I'm like, damn, she look, she look tired and stressed, <laughs> and she's dealing with seven times what we're dealing with right now, <laughs> and making sure each one of these things hits and, and performs well, but she also does a great job of trusting people like Michael Starberry, who was a showrunner of Colin in Black and White, yeah. and we're working hand in hand with Colin his people this is literally when like all the Atlanta workout and all that stuff was going on so Colin literally came to our, our, our room I want to say like on a Wednesday he was supposed to be there for three days supposed to break down his whole life we're like oh we got Colin for three whole days we get to go shows up Wednesday like yo I got a uh, workout in Atlanta uh, for the NFL Saturday I'm, I'm heading to Atlanta tonight was gracious enough to stay with us to kind of get things going would follow up with us on, on zoom calls and things like that then we were in that room really as the pandemic hit we were halfway through the room so first half of the room no pandemic i remember the week uh the day that it happened uh starberry hit me like it was a writing day she's like yeah Yo, you can come in if you want you can just stay home and write and i'm just like yeah i'm feeling kind of weird about this shit. i got kids stay home and write that day next day like nobody comes to the office like mm. we're done we're going virtual 
But to see that show, then be able to shoot, shoot it during a pandemic, uh, Jade and Michael, the rest of the crew, everybody, uh, you know, Robert Townsend directed my episode, so that's a hero of mine. Crazy. So being on wow, Zoom calls insane. with Ava and Robert wow. Townsend, right. they're asking me script questions, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like, this is Robert Townsend, Ava, from being From the edit bay, yeah. NFL, you know what I'm saying, to that, you yeah, know what I mean? So, so just seeing that, so that's even, when people look at the stuff I do on the social side, I always kind of giggle, because like, oh, you just make memes. I'm like, that's like the seventh or eighth thing I do. That's not like, uh, right. I'm just really good at doing that. And if I'm right. in like a, a Collins, it's funny, like some of my best tweets came from like the Collins writer's room because the brain's churning. We take a quick five minute break. I go post a tweet. Then as we're in the writer's room again, I'm looking at the tweet, just kind of refreshing Twitter as this thing is going viral. Nobody in the room knows what's going on and just building up stuff like that. But man, to be have that experience, to be able to work with Ava, to be able to work with Starberry, work with Colin, the rest of our amazing writing staff and team, man, it's just, I don't take things like that for granted. And to see that show finally come out this past October, see the reception, see words that I writ, wrote literally on screen, see my name pop up and show ah, you know, like I, I will never get tired of, of seeing that. You're 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 like a new age multimedia artist. Yeah, for sure. Where in the Renaissance it might have been oil on fresco and sculpture. Yeah. You are keyboard on Instagram, on Twitter, pen to pad on you know writing scripts and kind of creating shows yeah. and bringing those things to life edit bays all those things so you're a creator you're an artist yeah, ultimately for sure i think we're all artists digital i mean it's funny like i even talked to this dude and he'll just put a tweet up and it's like this is a piece of art like we may not appreciate it but every, the way everybody felt about this thing you know i know it's not just me and it's like right when you read it like damn these words are just elegant and nobody else can think or operate or move like that but any content you know anything that we're able to create and put out into this universe good bad whatever it's like make shit and that's the thing i think a lot of people struggle with on social especially because they look at me like oh what he does is not hard i'll just do it try to do it doesn't work out for him now they have anger at me because uh, you know and it's just like look man like there's a strategy and there's a structure to this and there's life's worst experiences that come out into these different things i do you may just see it as a whatever but that's not you know it's understanding and building. It's understanding when you get the tomatoes and called cringe and told that, you know, I hope your family dies and all that shit. It's like, damn, I want to avoid that. Shit, how do I avoid shit. that? Oh, by doing this. Because right. those same people roll the way the wind blows. So they see all the favorite people they respect. They say people like, you know, LeJethro rocking with it. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, damn, like, you know, I got to stop being a hater. I got to get my life together. So be a creator. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a lot easier to hate than it is to create. It's a lot easier to curate than it is to create. That's the thing I tell everybody, but we're in a world now, sadly, that rewards curators more than it rewards creators. Right. And oh, I get yeah, yeah. So you you make something great, right? I, so yeah, right, this? right. The the person, yeah, the That's person that gets the, the people, to, yeah, the person that is, is putting it out into the world might not be the person that created it. That's you fine. know what I'm, I mean? I do a show at Gilbert Arenas. I'm with the production staff before we start shooting. Uh, this guy's on this this site. I'm not gonna say the name of the site. He's like, oh man, this site has the best memes. He literally reads one of the memes. I'm like, they, you know, they just stole that from me, right? Like, you know, that's mine. Like, right, all right. He, he, he didn't even register in his brain, and that's what's going on. So the funny thing for me to see is like a lot of these companies end up building these big followings, then they sign these deals where they actually have to go create, and they end up pissing down their leg because they've never done that. Right. And now they're stealing from people yeah. like you and other people online. They don't you know have what I mean? the foundational work that you had been putting in from 2008, 2009 with Jersey Chasers. All that yeah. work, they don't have that. And they don't understand. They're just stolen, standing on your shoulders and don't have the foundation to keep that up and, and, and strong. So imagine that happens and these people are patting themselves on the back because LeBron or Drake or whoever has now commented how funny the meme that they stole from me is. 
And you right. got to see that. Right. And I have to look you at You know that. what I'm saying? And the thing is, like, when people, when you're trying to, you know, charge people for the bag, you know what I mean? Like, you, they're, they're paying for all the work you've put into. They're paying for all the experience you've had. Yeah, for sure. You know, they want, you know, hey, will you teach somebody? How? I can't teach them how to be me. You know, they weren't interested in what I was in. Yeah. Interested in at, at five, at, at seven, at 18. You know what I mean? And so, like, the reason you talk this way, because you're not, you know, you know, trying to be a part of the culture. You are the part of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Right. You've been that. This ain't. It's not because it's cool. It's because of who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I, I think that's 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 you know, you speaking of that is, is really interesting. I think that's important. But when we first met, you talked about you know how you approach social and what you were going to do. You had a plan. Yeah. You sat down talking about that. You approached it like I was like, damn, this motherfucker approached this shit like a child. Like he has like a you know this is this is a cerebral way of of, of approaching social that I hadn't thought of. You know what I mean? And uh. Shit, I, you know you you've done it. I think you've done more. You yeah, know what I sure. mean? Like, what do you do? What what are goals now? Like, after, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the I, shit, the you got the the, the king. You know what I'm right. saying? Showing love. You know, corporations fucking with you and stuff like that. Like, what what's the next? I mean, you with an Ava. You yeah. know what I'm saying? What what's what are the next steps? I uh, just a global takeover. You know, I mean, we're just <laughs> you know I'm, but I'm just being. What but do we do today? We're taking over the world. There's so many <laughs> so many talented people that I see, and it's like, damn, we could all come together. And I just love creation, man. I've, as I've gotten older, I don't care who gets credit. It's kind of that John Wooden quote, man. As long as we're winning rings, raising banners, I don't really, that I don't need that anymore because I already know what I've done in this game. I already know I don't need right. to prove shit to anybody anymore. But I see so many talented people in this next generation that don't realize that the stuff that they're doing that they think is just for fun. Like, no, you can make that a job. You can make a make ton bread of money, doing it. More bread yeah. than you could ever imagine. Right. right? Keep it a style. Like, if, if, I, if I tell y'all what I get paid for a tweet at times, it's like, wait, for what? And it's like, yeah, I got earned. He's every, told me. Earned every penny of <laughs> earn every penny of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. No, you deserve I got it, one right. opportunity with this tweet to get the strategy right, to get the millions and millions of impressions that I need to hit to be able to get that back mm -hmm. and know how to do it. And I've done it repeatedly. So it's like, it's a game you learn. It's a structure you learn, formula, all that type of world. But so many talented people now, it's kind of like the Matrix. Like, we were all in this Matrix. We didn't know who each other were. Now we're unplugging, getting to see and meet, and like, damn, motherfucker, he could do this and that and whatever. And I'm a writer and a producer and an artist and whatever. You know, so you just start to just see this world and the value that this community has. So really building the community and taking back a lot of stuff. I feel like right now we're kind of the middleman when we're the products. Imagine you're like, you know, to compare this to dope, and I don't encourage you guys to get into the drug game or anything like that. Unless it's weed, but, I'm but, encouraging so, you. So imagine <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big bag of fire weed that you can grow yeah. and you can produce and cultivate. And making big money selling weed. Then you can distribute it too. You just right. gotta find the right platforms to be able to do that. Like look at your mind as this this amazing tool. And so often in the worlds that we live in, in the spaces that we operate in, people try and put a value on that thing. But it's like, bro, if I'm, I'm giving you millions and millions and millions of impressions, I don't care how easy or hard you think it is or how long you think it is. You're not, again, you're not paying for that 15 seconds it took right. to me to write the tweet. You're paying for the 15 years for sure. that I learned how to do that right. at, a, at a high level. Because right. like, if you don't believe that, then you go do write a tweet too and let's see which one actually brings value to whatever you're trying to promote or whatever you're trying to get out. So mm -hmm. for me, it's kind of keep it, stay in the writing game, build that stuff up. But also, man, the social, it's funny, the social is doing a lot more than the writing stuff. Mm -hmm. And the people who worked in the writing side know, like, that's a, a lot of bread and a, a huge bag. So if you can understand, like, social, and for me, social just second nature, mm -hmm. I'm already going to watch this basketball game. Right. So like, now I just got to crack some jokes while I watch it. Like, that's that's not a job. And that's what I think I learned in life. Once you can work and really the jobs that you're doing aren't work, you're never looking. And I can always tell somebody who's going to burn out in social, right? Mm -hmm. so if I ask them what they do and they tell me they work in social, and then they tell me a schedule. Yeah, right, right. I work nine to seven like what bro you work in social and you work nine to seven so at 705 what happens if something that you can go get 10 million impressions on and you're just going to not do it because you're off the clock 
that's not how social works, Chief. Like, I remember. If you was, doing it or you ain't doing it, you know what I'm saying? The like, day Kawhi and PG came to the Clippers, if y'all remember, it was summertime. I think there maybe just been a earthquake in LA. I was I was in Iowa with my wife and her family. I'm getting ready to go to bed. It's like 11, 11.30. News breaks, like, oh shit, PG's coming. Oh shit, Kawhi's coming. It's all hands on deck for the next three, four hours. Like, so just to say, like, you got to put in the work. You can't cheat the game and don't ever believe your own hype. Like, people call me King NBA Twitter. I'm not yeah. going to call myself that because I yeah. don't believe it. Like, I'm the king of whatever. Once I can jump on tables like Yeezy and start <laughs> going crazy, <laughs> lose my mind, and, right, you know, right. next, next week, right. you know, put on a concert for Larry Hoover where you didn't know where the bread went. You're just, right. you're just supporting it. Right, right. Selling jeans for $500, you know what I mean? With, you know, Target yeah. for fucking 600 bucks. Right. They say free Hoover on it. Right. So, you know, once you get to that, level but just kind of keep grinding and don't cheat the game i think is the most important thing so so you're trying to get back into golf you said that we talked about that you know what i mean this is you know kind of a golf pod i guess you know what i mean it's the backdrop to what we do you well, know you, what i mean you hear it you hear it. You, 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 yeah you feel me we hit some balls and all that when can we get you on the course my g i've told you bro you you make golf look so cool that i want to get back out there too it's like the one place where i can really still get a fit off <laughs> for a long period of time and it's still somewhat athletic, but honestly, just driving in the car, you know, chugging a few back, hanging out, and really connecting with, you know, with friends and whoever. I think for me, I, I really appreciate it. So y'all get me out here, man. I'll pull up whenever. Like, for sure. Hey, let's do it, already, man. Let's do it. I'm having fun today. Like, now I need to do this more. I've, I've lived probably 10 minutes away from this course, dr driven by it all the time. It's my first time I think actually stepping foot on here. And I'm like, yeah, I can come back here and do this. Like, I got to get my club game right. I got to get, and I'm going to hit you up to get all that info. Hey, we going to figure that out, my boy. Yeah, you know what I sure. mean? It's, it's out there for you. But hey, Josiah, bro. I feel like I learned more about you today, man. This this was the goal. I told uh, you I wanted to learn more, I'm and I think I did. You know, I, I, right the now. energy's I so good. You feel me? Right Go now. get it, man. I just tell yeah. everybody in life, man. People are gonna hate on your shit. They're gonna try to bring you down, whatever. Fuck them, because ultimately they're not gonna pay your rent either tell way. It. Why am I gonna let uh, you know somebody with a bunch of numbers and whatever by his name throw me off course of getting these? Because <laughs> you see it, we get to be doing cool shit. We do stuff like this, and they, and they get mad every time. So just keep grinding. There's nothing they can do to stop it if you really believe it. And ultimately, you know, if you're gonna quit, nobody's gonna give a fuck. Like I don't want to hear. It. I want to be around no quitters. Right, right. Hear the story about how you almost did it. Like go make it happen or don't. Like shit, we all got our own shit to worry about. So I appreciate y'all having me on this joint. Thank you, Josiah. It's been great, man. Right. Thank you, my boy. I always get motivated so, once, please, once we get man. these things going yeah yeah the juices start flowing Josai couldn't have possibly imagined having the life he created today social media didn't even exist when he was a kid the world he grew up in is very different from the world we all exist in today regardless of what the landscape looks like in the future his humility and work ethic that got him to where he's at are timeless intangibles, and I imagine they will continue to guide him. But I do also love that he's not afraid to tell a hater, I'm rich, bitch. You may call that a hubris, but I just call it and let a motherfucker know what time it is, you feel me? Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes, once said, Most of us discover where we are headed when we arrive. Josiah says his next goal is to take over the industry. Will he do it? I don't know. I do know I wouldn't bet against it though.